You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Isn't it interesting how the hardest hymns are the hymns where you actually, especially, have to pay attention to the words? And I hope you do this morning, because in the words of this hymn that we have just sung, we find the sermon that I wish I could preach. (laughs) That's a joke. A little bit, but not really. It's great, it's beautiful, that the Lord would look down from heaven and behold us as we are attacked on every side from false doctrine and heresy, from all the attacks of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh that wish to rob us of the comfort of the gospel. But we also have in this hymn the beautiful comfort that Jesus himself fights for his doctrine, his teachings, his word, so that we would never lose our confidence, that we would never lose our peace, that Jesus himself is our salvation. Our Lord says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, in these words, Jesus is placing a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Jesus isn't just talking to the twelve disciples. He is not just talking to the pastors, the theologians, and the academics. He is speaking to you, the sheep, who hear the Good Shepherd's voice. And he is giving you the job of discerning between the true and the false prophets. Jesus is trying to tell you that lazy sheep do not live too long. The ravenous wolves, you see, aren't happy to rest on the ridge line where you can look up and see them, you know, like you would look up and see animals at the zoo. Instead, they're always and constantly trying to sneak in and find their way into the church. They're hiding themselves among the teachers of the saints. The sheep who don't care about the difference between truth and error, these are the sheep who never see the attack coming. And when their faith is finally snatched away, they don't even realize it. And for that reason, Jesus describes his flock, the flock of the Holy Christian Church, as a group of people who are always quick to question, whose eyes are always searching, whose ears are always open to recognize the true voice of their good shepherd, even as it is under the voice of of those men who would be your pastors and teachers. It's a lot of responsibility, but it is not an impossible task. The Good Shepherd, who gathered you into this holy flock, the Good Shepherd is with you. Jesus says, I know my own, and my own know me. He promises that you will know his voice. And so this morning with his word, Jesus trains your eyes and your ears to know the difference so that you can have confidence in your teachers. That's where Jesus' word stands guard. There you may have confidence that the predators are always exposed and and defeated. And even though they can howl and snap at you all they want, their teeth have been ripped out of their jaws. The first question that Jesus answers for us is how you should tell the difference between the true and the false shepherds. 
between the true and the false prophets. Jesus says, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. It turns out that the disguises that the, that the wolves wear are pretty convincing. You can look at them, and they, not just, they don't only just look like sheep, they look like the best sheep. They look like the sheepiest sheep. <laughs> um, just because somebody has a $100 haircut, you know, they wear designer clothes, they have those nice Italian leather shoes, and, and they unbutton that top button on their white shirt, you know. That doesn't mean that they can be a good friend, <laughs> let alone a good Christian teacher. And this is actually one of the nice things that I learned uh, while I was away with our our synod in Milwaukee this past week. It's that when you look at the whole gathering of of pastors and hearers, uh, it's quite quite a a diverse and varied group. The pastors and the hearers come in all kinds of shapes, sizes, colors, ages, and smells. (laughs) Oh, Ben. They don't all look the same. But there is one thing that unites them together. The one thing that they all share in common. And that is the fruits that they bear. The fruits that they bear with their mouths. That they, that they show forth. That is to say that they exhibit, all of them together, the good teachers of the church, the same doctrine. And the same life. By what they teach... And by how they live, that is how you are to discern between the true prophets and the false prophets. Now, concerning the teaching, the question for you to ask is this. It's not whether or not, whether or not he sounds nice or not, you know. Uh, like, for example, I picked up a book, this what was it, two weeks ago, in a, uh, uh, in a library at a nursing home. I don't know why I looked at books in a nursing home anyway. It was, in, it was in the religious section, you know, and you pick it out, and there are pictures of flowers and stuff on the cover, and it looked really nice, and I opened it up, and it had all kinds of nice things in there about, you know, parents loving their children, children loving their parents, uh, of giving gifts to people when, they, when it's their birthday and it's Christmas time. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is a pretty sweet-sounding book. Flip to the back, and it turns out that the guy is a Mormon. That this guy was actually telling all these nice and sweet things that the sheep want to hear so that eventually he could drag them into his false doctrine that denies Jesus as the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. You have to scratch underneath the surface to see what's there. You have, he, you, the question is not whether or not this person says things that sound nice. It's whether or not this person's words are in accord with the Bible, with Holy Scripture. You have to ask, does his teaching accord with what I have learned from the prophets, from the apostles and the evangelists? Does this man preach and teach that Jesus has died for me, that he has risen for me, that he sits at the Father's right hand so that he can comfort my soul? No, really, this is why we have the Catechism, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, 
and the Lord's Prayer, right? We meditate on this, the Word of God, so that when it comes down to it, we would have a benchmark by which we would know the true teachers of the church. This is why we meditate on the law and the scriptures and the prophets and the, and the evangelists. Uh, it's why Joshua, looking at the, at the host of Israel before they enter into Jericho, uh, as you heard in, in, uh, a few minutes ago from the lectern, this is why Joshua tells them to meditate on the law so that they wouldn't be deceived by the false religions of the people of the peoples in the land that they were going to conquer and overcome. We spend a lot of time meditating on certain things in this life, you know. We meditate on Netflix. Uh, we, we meditate on, I don't know, the Cubs, uh, and various things like that. <laughs> but we need to meditate on the Holy Scriptures. It's our duty as Christians, as baptized Christians, who have been given the gift of, of reason and memory, so that we may meditate on the Lord's Word, that we could ask of our teachers, are you telling us the truth? Is what, is what you are telling us matching up with the doctrine of the Bible? The great example of this, of course, would be of the Bereans, right? When Paul and Silas came to preach to them the Word of God, to tell them about Jesus, what did they do? They didn't take their word uh, uh, alone. Instead, they were testing always their words about Jesus against the promises of who Christ is and what he would do in the Old Testament. Jesus, standing at the center of our teaching, is the key. We have to place ourselves beneath the Holy Scriptures, not above them. To pick and choose from the Scriptures what sound nice to us. Instead, we must stand underneath the Scriptures and learn from Jesus. That we, that we search the Scriptures because in them we think we have eternal life. But then Jesus says, it is they that bear witness about me. And so St. Paul tells the Galatians, if we, that is the apostles themselves, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. That even if Paul were to come back to Galatia, right, and preach to the church at Galatia about a Jesus who, not, who doesn't die for their sins, who hasn't been raised for the justification, that Paul is saying, don't listen to me. Trust instead in the gospel in the work of Jesus to save you. That is what stands. Everything else must fail. Now there is a second batch of fruits by which you have to judge your teachers. And it is their works. Uh, this is why... <laughs> it's good to recognize, you know, of course, that your pastors are as much of sinners as you are. Um, but at the same time, just as within your own family, right, as a, a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister, that your sins against your neighbor are, are a stumbling block for your neighbor. So especially is it so for the pastors of the church, right? If we misspeak, if we say a word in anger against anybody, if we, um, as St. Paul says, can't even manage our own households well, then we become a stumbling block for, for the church, for the sheep. We are, uh, of course, you know, according to our flesh, we're all hypocrites. 
But no pastor should ever, willingly or knowingly, set himself against the Ten Commandments. Because in in his despising of God's word, what does it do for the sheep except to teach them to also despise God's word and commandments? Now, if the teachers have neither the fruits of doctrine nor of life that are shaped and informed by God's word, Jesus tells us they are worthless. They are to be cut down and cast into the fire by by our Lord himself when he comes back for judgment. For that reason, St. Paul tells us, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Now, when you judge between doctrines and between teachings of people, the distinctions are oftentimes very fine, you know. They're very, you have to make very careful distinctions. Like, as your pastors, and as you call out on the name of Jesus, and do good works, so it is oftentimes in the, in the lives of those lawless persons and the false prophets who seek to, to deceive us by their, their nice words about Jesus and even by their good works. But understand that they are not desiring to conform themselves to the Scriptures, but rather to twist and manipulate the Scriptures to their, to their own selfish desires and ends. And so Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now that is sobering. It is really, really sobering to hear this from Jesus. That just by calling out the name of Jesus, it's not like some sort of magic formula by which we can gain entrance into heaven, right? I once had a friend of mine who actually said this. Uh, he was comforting himself, sadly, with the thought that, hey, you know what, I am living a life outside of the bounds of the Ten Commandments in some ways, but you know what, I'm still calling on the name of Jesus. And I know that if I call on the name of Jesus, then I'm somehow still good with Jesus, right? Right? Jesus says, no. Then in willingly setting yourself against God's word, you are outside of faith. You need to repent. But this also forces a hard question on us. How do we know that Jesus hears us when we call to him as Lord? How do we know that we are a part of his flock and that our faith hasn't already been devoured by the wolves? Jesus says that the one who gains entrance into the kingdom of heaven is the one who does the will of his Father. What is the will of the Father? That is the key question. Does this include the works of the law? You bet. It does. It includes the Ten Commandments. It's shown there with brilliant clarity that we ought to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. But if we stopped just with the law, it would still not gain entrance for us into the kingdom of heaven. Because there is more to the will of God than the law given to sinners. Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, 
that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. More than giving you the law, the Father wills you to see Jesus, to hear his voice, to receive his mercy for your justification and resurrection unto eternal life. The Father's will is done in your life when through Jesus and his word he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and your sinful nature. And when he strengthens and keeps you firm in Jesus' word and faith until you die. That is the Father's good and gracious will. His will is done when you hear Jesus tell you through the voice of his under-shepherds, that your sins are forgiven, that all who believe and are baptized shall be saved. All the false teachers are set at flight. They run away when they hear Jesus say, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so, dear saints, here, here in the flock that Jesus has gathered through and around his word, you have both a great responsibility and a great comfort. Yes, you must judge me and and every teacher against the scriptures. But this is also your comfort, because you know that in the scriptures is proclaimed to you this day, that your good shepherd has visited your soul with the comfort of his gospel. Fight for the gospel. Don't let it go. Nothing must come before it. Through this word alone do you have salvation and eternal life. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.